This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Amy Raup is a New York-based acupuncturist and wellness expert and my own longtime acupuncturist. When I was an editor at Oprah Magazine, I was cruising down the hall past our book giveaway shelf, a shelf where all editors left the books they were finished reading and reviewing, and Amy's first book jumped out at me. The title of that book is Chill Out and Get Healthy. I read the book cover to cover. I loved its tone and voice so much, you actually feel like you're having a conversation with a friend, that I decided to look Amy up. That's when I discovered that she had a clinic in New York only several blocks from my office, and I've been her client ever since. At the time of this podcast, it is American Heart Health Month. It is also the month of Valentine's Day, or Galentine's Day. We like to call it Love Day. So in that spirit, on this podcast, we talk to Amy about her philosophy on wellness, self-love, how to keep a heart healthy, nutrition, including what foods are best and worst for your mood, what to eat for glowing skin, how she gets to be creative in her work, besides helping women create babies with her acupuncture-based fertility protocol, and her reboot diet, a total reset for the body following the idea that food is medicine and a way to get back to feeling great. So listen in and get motivated by Amy's wellness vibes. Amy, how are you creative in your job? Ooh, how am I creative in my job? Yeah, I bet you've never been asked that one before. This is yeah, con- I love it. This um, is this is you're on conversations with creatives, so we want to get we want to we want to know how how a wellness expert like you is creative in your work. Well, so I have a couple different jobs, right? When I'm in my acupuncture clinic, I'm creative because I'm like reading the client, you know, doing my intake and then feeling their pulses, and creative in the sense of what treatment I decide to give them. You know, I never have like a scripted treatment, if you will. And I never really do the same thing uh, week to week. It's really dependent upon their pulses. So that's how I'm really creative in in the clinic. Go ahead. What do the pulses tell you about a client's health? Mm, All sorts of things. Uh, In Chinese medicine, we say there's about 28 different pulse qualities. And so we really feel for like the depth and the firmness or softness of the pulse, the, you know, um, like quality, we say things like wiry or slippery or deep or superficial or fast or slow. And that helps me, you know, I'm also looking at different pulse points tell me um, about different organs. And so I get a sense of like, is the heart a little deficient or is the lung you know, full and, you know, that kind of stuff and uh, base my treatment according to that. Right. You never share those pulse findings with your, your clients, right? Because I've, I've never heard you, I, I, I see Amy myself and have 
for years and you've never said, hey, your pulse feels like this or it feels like that. Those are just. Yeah. Sometimes I'll say like, I'll feel your pulse and I'll be like, oh, how's your sleep? Like, and that is I felt the heart pulse and it felt a little deficient or maybe be tight or a little scattered and that, you know, so then I would think, okay, there's sleep or maybe there's some anxiety stuff going on. There's something spiritually affecting this person. So I don't always say, oh, your heart pulse feels weak, you know, but I more will then lead to a symptom of, you know, or if like the lung feels really full or deficient, I might say, do you feel like you're coming down with something? Do you have some phlegm? Is there a cough going on? You know, so that's kind of how I lead into it. Sometimes I'll say something, but uh, yeah, it kind of just depends on the situation. That's how I'm very creative too. I think it's, it, I never know what's really going to come out of me. Right. Um, and beyond acupuncture, how else are you creative in your job these days? You know, I mean, I think I'm always thinking about the best ways to like serve my audience and reach my audience. And so I I do think I, a lot of my creativity comes through in my Instagram stories, um, you know, on my team calls. We, I do my weekly Facebook and Instagram lives. And so it's always very creative in that because I don't ever script those. You know, I have a loose topic and then I just kind of go with what moves me. Um, I do weekly office hours in one of my private groups and same thing like office hours means like they basically post their questions and I answer right. them every week. But I always start out or finish up with like a a story from the clinic or something personal I'm dealing with and, you know, very creative on that sense, too, of just trying to get us to all think like bigger picture and more holistically and, you know, typically getting spiritual with people. So I feel like those are all the ways I weave it in. Right. Um, And how many books have you written at this point, Amy? Three. What's that creative process like for you? Yeah, I enjoy it. Um, it's Do you, you gather know, information say, over yeah, time? Yeah, like I think you start to, like I sit with things for a while and then I'm like, oh, this really needs to, you know, this become, a like, it, yeah, it, like gives birth to itself. You know, you just start taking notes and like, what do I notice? What do I hear myself saying a lot? Like my one editor who I've worked with on all my books, um, you know, she's with me kind of outside of the, the publishing house you know, she's been a longtime client similar to you. And, and she just says, I, I just want to hear the way you talk to us in the clinic. Like that's how I wanted to come through. So, you know, well, that's really what, just, yeah. that's why, that's why I loved your first book uh, so much chill because out, I yeah, chill, ch- and get healthy. chill yeah. out and get healthy that I discovered at O magazine um, is that the, t- first of all, the title jumped out at me. And then when I opened the pages of that book, it literally felt like I was having a conversation with somebody. So yeah. I, and that's, that's like what we try to get across because, you know, it is very much, and you know that like, you know, it's like girlfriend to girlfriend when we're together, right? Yep. You know, and we're talking about life and then we're talking about your bowel movements and we're talking about your skin and, right. you know, all sorts of, um, all sorts of things and, uh-huh. and bigger picture stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I tend to like just notice myself in the clinic and how I'm, the things that start to come up often. And that's when I start to realize like, oh, this needs more attention because this has come, this came up 10 times in the last, you know, 10 hours. Like obviously this, you know, needs more attention. (laughs) And so then I, I, you know, think about it that way, but now I have that creative outlet. Like I used to just get it through the books. Now I really get it through social media, you know, through the Facebook or Instagram lives and and the stories and all that, that I feel less of a need to, to write the books. I'm going to, I'm doing a revision for my second book for yes, you can get pregnant. Um, 
now. That's and that's, that's really because, yeah, the, the conversation is just, there's so much more information out there about fertility and, and things that I've learned that I, I really want a revision because the book sells so well that I, I just want women to have even more information. So we're going to revise it, which I'm excited about. That's interesting. And it's interesting that you, that's exciting too. It's interesting that you're getting a lot from social media. I mean, that, that social yeah. media has really given you a platform to be more creative. Another question for you is you've got a skincare line. Why did you create the skincare line? Cause I couldn't find anything out there that fit my parameters. Um, you know, when I wrote chill out and get healthy, right. In 2009, that was way, you know, the green movement, I don't even think was really starting the green beauty, beauty movement. It was no. maybe, maybe people were talking about it. And I had a chapter in, in chill out and get healthy called beauty. You can't buy at Sephora. And it was more about like inner beauty and radiance versus like superficialness. And, but then there was also this conversation was starting about chemicals that you should avoid in your bath and beauty products. And so I put that in the article, I mean, in the article, in the book, sorry. And, um, put those, those top, I think top 11 chemicals or 12 chemicals you should avoid, you know, like parabens and sulfates and talc and aluminum and all these things. And then after I wrote, so I get healthy, I thought I better practice what I'm preaching. And I always have really sensitive skin. So I wanted, I went on the hunt to find skincare products that actually were as clean as I said they should be. And there was really hard to find. And what yeah. was happening was like the companies that started out really clean were then getting bigger and, you know, had to produce larger quantities and ensure shelf life. And so they mm -hmm. were adding chemicals to their previously clean formulations. So, I, I noticed yeah. that myself. I noticed yeah. that with, I don't know, maybe that was, I, I hate to say, it, I don't want to say it, but I feel like. Yeah, I'm avoiding was, saying names, but there, yeah, was def, yeah, there were a few yeah. mm -hmm. that you, that you, that, that I said, oh, I thought this was a super clean yeah, kind of indie, indie line and it's not. Yeah, what, it's not anymore. Yeah. What can people rely on when it comes to your products? Integrity, um, <laughs> you know, good quality ingredients that are, you know, curated by me, who was a scientist before I became an acupuncturist, um, you know, well-sourced ingredients. I try to go with either, you know, I, I use everything's organic and or wild crafted. Mm -hmm. uh, my whole principle behind Amy Rock Beauty is skincare that is pure enough to eat. Right. And so if you can't put it on your skin, if you can't put it in your mouth, you shouldn't put it on your skin. What are your so, key ingredients that you like your go-to ingredients that you use? Like you know, three of coconut, them. Coconut oil, uh, almond, sweet almond oil. I like rosehip seed oil. Yeah. Ghee and ghee. I think ghee really separates me. Not a lot of people use ghee in their products. I, use I know. Ghee. And the ghee, we always say, like your lip balm. <laughs> is, oh, it's the best. Is the best. It really is. And if it's because and it's it has ghee. ghee, it's, it's a ghee. ghee. I wanted to ask you a, a question. You use coconut sugar in your scrubs. Yes. And why coconut sugar? Why not brown sugar? What's, what, I use both. I use any parts of yeah, coconut and brown. And and honestly, that wasn't really um, mm -hmm. anything else other than coconut sugar was kind of newer to the market. And I thought, oh, that's fun. I like how little the granules are. Like so, yeah. the brown sugar, the granules are a little bigger. And so I didn't want it to be too harsh on the skin. So I thought if I did equal parts, because brown sugar is pretty soft and I mix it with coconut oil, you know, so it really softens the sugars down, but um, it kind of liked the different sizes of the granules yeah. between the brown and the coconut. Yeah. How does one, what one eat, how does what one eats or drinks affect mood? Mm. 
Um, yeah, many levels. So I guess, I guess blanketly saying, you know, um, if you're choosing to eat or drink things that maybe are, you know, high in sugar or caffeine or artificial sweeteners or hydrogenated oils, you know, things that are very, um, far from nature that I would, you know, most people don't feel very well on there on those types of substances because it's just typically harder for your body to digest and therefore then take the nutrition out of it or they're void of nutrition altogether. So, you know, I, I tend to recommend people eating as, as simple as possible and, and kind of going back to like, you know, the ancestral ways of eating things that are in season, eating, you know, good quality animal products when you consume them, eating a lot of vegetables and a lot of good quality fats. Which foods and beverages contribute to things like depression and anxiety, would you say? You know, I think, I, I think things like, um, you know, any of the, I guess, trendy, you know, flavored, um, beverages, you know, like, like, even if it's like Gatorade, I hate to name names, but you know, things like that, that they're adding a lot of processed sugars, um, things that have high, high fructose corn syrup, I would avoid. Um, and not all Gatorades are, are the worst by any means, but, um, too much coffee, too much alcohol, of course, we know can be a depressant, um, you know, and, and processed foods, I definitely see trigger people are eating, you know, foods or beverages that don't offer them a lot of nutrition. And so then they're nutrient deficient and that's going to render them with typically some mood issues. And these are the things, um, the things that you're mentioning um, affect hormones and hormones of, of course affect mood. Is that what we're saying here? Uh-huh. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think they can be somewhat separate too. Like, um, you know, not always are the hormones impacted if there's anxiety and depression, but often is the case. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, um, it's not always causal if you will, but that, yeah, we're just really seeing that if people are not getting proper nutrition, they can be, you know, and if also they're eating highly processed foods that are not organic, then they're exposed to pesticides. Pesticides are messing with the hormones and the hormones are going to mess with your mental, emotional state, you know? So, so yeah, it's a trickle down effect for certain. Right. Which food, which foods boost mood? Which foods boost mood? Yeah. I would go with antioxidant rich foods were probably some of the best, um, and just good quality proteins and fats. What's so, the, what are yeah, go- things, uh, go-tos for boosting mood? Yeah. It doesn't, I, it's like, I have to, I have to rethink how I think about that. Um, you know, I would think, uh, like a good quality, like I tend to make this green soup, my liver support soup from, uh, my body belief book. Which we'll get. Um, to. We're going to get to body belief in a second. Yeah. I, it's incredible um, that elixir. Uh, you want to tell? It. Like it really does boost my mood. I mean, it's it's loaded with like dandelion greens, cilantro, parsley, garlic, beets, carrots. Um, what else is in there? Uh, lemon juice. And you, I recommend you steam it. In Chinese medicine, we like things more cooked than raw. But I do do raw green juices at times, of course. Um, and I think everybody can in moderation. 
but things like that, they're so cleansing to the liver and the liver in Chinese medicine is where we tend to like store frustration or anxiety or depression, that type of thing. So when we're really cleansing to the liver um, or supportive to the liver doing its job, we tend to have a better mood, you know? So I, and I think eating, you know, simply, if you will. So avoiding like too many grains and then too many like heavy, rich sauces, you know, that we're eating like nice grilled protein um, and steamed vegetables, you know, kind of a, a, a boring ish diet, but that tends to be the easiest on our system to digest and assimilate. And uh, we tend to feel just kind of more clarity mentally and, and happier. And I think your palate adjusts to that as well. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. What is the difference between a food allergy and a food sensitivity for people that aren't aware of that? I think a lot of people aren't aware of this difference and how it might affect them, actually. Yeah. Food allergies are, are, are a real deal, like anaphylaxis, you could die type of situation. Um, you need Benadryl or an EpiPen, you know, and, and you should, you would know if you have a food allergy, most I mean, people should do know. People have slight um, food allergies though, too, where you're sneezing or you get a, a an, an itchy tongue or lips, right? Yeah. That but see, I mean, so my editor that I work with, she also wrote a book called Allergic Girl and <laughs> I've learned a lot about allergies because of her. So she highly recommends never using the word allergy for anything other than anaphylaxis because it's actually outside the definition. Everything else is basically an intolerance because allergies create a strong, you know, immune reaction that typically leads to, you know, anaphylaxis. You could get like itchy, you know, that kind of thing, but um, it's very serious. And then everything else kind of more falls into the intolerant uh, category where you could start having a sneezing attack after something that's more that, oh, okay, like maybe there's like a mold in something like that and you're reacting that way. But it's not anaphylaxis. So uh, that's how I've always been taught. Like Sloan is her name, Sloan Miller. And she is mm -hmm. very particular about allergies and how you differentiate because she has a lot of allergies herself. Right. Describe a perfect day of meals and snacks and what each item might do for your body. Oh, wow. Take us through a day of eating. <laughs> um, and, I and usually start my day off with um, organic coffee. French press um, that I, you know, I grind myself and use filtered water. Um, and I add a scoop of collagen peptides to that for some protein and a I little coconut a, oil. Yeah, I have, a question, I have a question about that, actually. One of my questions to you is going to be that a lot of people add a packet of collagen to their coffee in the morning. I do. It's tasteless. It does not affect the taste of the coffee. Does ingesting collagen really boost the skin? And that must be cumulative, right? You'll, you'll have to consume collagen all the time. Yeah. And I, I think like there was the recent article about like, if it's hot, like, are you getting all the benefits? And I, they were talking strictly about skin and joints and really why I do it is for good gut health, which is, you know, I think a little different. And so I think the skin benefits eventually because your gut is stronger and healthier and then can absorb the nutrition and there's less inflammation in your body and you see that in your skin. So that's, I, I, I look at the benefits of like, um, the collagen more systemic, you know, and then the benefits like the outward benefits are, are a side effect kind of. So that's, that's how I look at it. And there's different types of collagen, you know, the best is from bone broth, of course. And I, I have, someone just sent me a bone broth coffee recipe that I'm going to try where it's like half bone broth, half coffee with a little bit of uh, ghee or butter and some wow. coconut milk. Sounds delicious personally, but, um, 
Coffee and so, broth. I don't know. I know. I'll share, I'll share the recipe. Yeah, I know. At first I was like, that kind of, she was like, it's oddly really good because you had a little cinnamon. You almost don't taste the broth, but you could also, um, there's some good bone broth protein powders out there that have like a vanilla flavor and no actual crappy ingredients that sometimes I'll add to my coffee to get, there's two different types of collagens, like the type one and the type four, I think that you actually get more benefit from than just the collagen peptides. But you know, that's, that's kind of how I start my day. And I, so I have like some coconut oil in there and some coconut milk and the peptides. And so I get a little protein and then, um, either before, usually before I'll do some hot water with lemon actually first, then the coffee. And then I'm making my breakfast, which in the winter time, um, you know, when it's cold, here on the East coast, I do some kind of broth or soup with an egg whisk in. So like this morning I had my liver support soup with an egg whisk, whisk in. Um, we're doing a reboot program right now at the well, which Tamara is a part of. And so yeah, I'm only doing, I'm only doing egg yolks. So yep. I did the egg yolk and, um, and then I had, I had worked out. So then I had some plantain chips afterwards just for some carbohydrates what is so what is a cup of what is a cup of that soup with egg drop do for the body like what is that oh yeah well i mean i look at again all the vegetables you know so to me that's almost two to three servings of vegetables right there so i get i get a good amount of antioxidants i get you know vitamins you know vitamin c is an antioxidant um but i'm getting like a really good serving of veggies i'm getting fat from the yolk fat from the broth protein from the broth and from the yolk. And so to me, that's a very complete meal, you know, where I'm getting my veggie, my protein and my fat, which is giving my cells in my body, everything they need to do their job. And, um, yeah, and I, and I love it and it's filling and I feel good about it. And then, you know, the plantains, uh, again, because we're in this reboot right now, but it's, uh, you know, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, typically, what do you snack on if you weren't even on this reboot cleanse that we're doing? Which we'll get to. We're going to get to. Maybe maybe some fruit, uh, maybe some yogurt. I tend to do like coconut or almond uh, yogurt. Um, You know, maybe some wilted greens. Like that's what I had yesterday. I had a, a, it's like a, a salad, but they have pulled chicken over it and an egg and then also cooked vegetables or sweet potato and Brussels sprouts in there. Um, from, from spring bone in New York city, it's delicious. So, and that will be like kind of a snack for me throughout the day. And they also, I do these, um, what are they like raw cacao, um, kind of balls mixed with dates and some nuts and seeds, you know, for like a sweetness, if you will. Um, and then, but I tend to just go with protein, vegetables, and fat. That's kind of like my MO. And if I am snacking, then maybe there's some fruit in there. And, you know, maybe plantain chips with like the Kite Hill cream cheese, you know, something like that. Or I make my own guacamole, you know, and I'll do something like that. Um, I don't know about the Kite Hill cream cheese. Is this a, is this an almond? Yeah, it's almond milk, but it is. It's Amy approved. Yeah, Amy approved. Yeah, I use it for my little guy um, because he likes cream cheese and the the locks. I do those little wraps for him. (laughs) That's Um, cute. It is cute. And I make like fat bombs, you know, I'll do like my own homemade hot chocolate with raw cacao and coconut milk and, Which satisfies, it satisfies the sweet tooth that you're not getting. It does, yeah. yeah. And I I do have dark chocolate if I really need it. You know, of course I love those, um, what's the eating evolved, the, um, the coconut cups. I think they're called coconut butter cups. There's like three ingredients. There's monk fruit, coconut butter, 
coconut oil and raw cacao. So four ingredients. Um, those are delicious. They, they, they get my sweet tooth going, but I tend to do like I had, I guess on Monday I had some tuna over greens and then I had some plantain chips on the side. So I made my own tuna salad with like the paleo kitchen mayonnaise. Um, you know, I try to do fish, you know, we have like salmon and broccoli for dinner. We don't do a ton of grains. You're uh, avoiding grains at all costs. <laughs> Not at all costs, but like I, I feel sluggish on them. So to me, even you know, quinoa. I'll have them. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I kind of got out of the habit because of the body belief stuff, but, um, we'll have quinoa. We'll have, we'll have like the, um, what's that one brand that their rice that I'll, I'll cook and I always soak it first and then cook it in bone broth. We'll find out and the name of that rice and we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Lotus something. Um, oh, I have that. Yeah. I love their packaging too. It's pretty. Amy, I'll do what, like the soba noodles, you know, so if I want that like kind of carby feeling and I'll make like a, a stew or like in the instant pot with like chicken and coconut milk. And then I serve it with the soba noodles and some greens. It's so yummy. Sounds good. What should people incorporate into their diet for clear glowing skin? Would you say? Lots of fats. I think fats are the most important thing for skin. So cod liver oil is my go-to. Like people always compliment me on my skin. And I really do think, I mean, my diet is uh, pretty clean. Um, and you can, but, you can get that in pill format, obviously. Yeah. Co- yeah. Pill form um, or liquid. And I think like taking a teaspoon a day of, of cod liver oil is, is amazing for the skin and then eating a ton of vegetables. So I think too, um, you know, people see, you know, there almost, there's this conversation of like vegetarianism versus eating meat, you know, that kind of thing. And I tend to go in the the line of like the meat is like a couple ounces on your plate. And I should, I think it should be there in good quality and it could be fish. It could be eggs. It could be animal, you know, like meat, flesh, but that you're getting upwards of six to eight servings of vegetables a day. That really impacts the way your body detoxifies itself and that will really impact your skin. So fat and a lot of vegetables. Can you talk a little bit about some of the lesser known allergens and how they create all sorts of reactions in the body that people might, might not be aware of? Like you were, I think you sort of touched on egg whites is one of them, right? That people wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Re- what are- yeah. And I think we'd call them like intolerances or they can just build up in the system and cause inflammation. So, um, you know, in, in body belief, which is a book geared towards helping people manage autoimmunity, um, whether or not they know they have an autoimmune condition, we, we do a, a pretty strict diet where we remove, you know, the more common ones like gluten and dairy and soy and sugar and artificial sweeteners, but then go even deeper to remove egg whites. We remove all lectins, which is nuts and beans and seeds, and we remove nightshade vegetables so these are um, all oh, these are all the little items that people are consuming on a daily basis that they may not realize contribute to potentially contribute to inflammation in their body. Exactly. Yeah. And we're recording this in February. And as a lot of us know, February is heart health month. What should we be doing and eating on a weekly basis to keep our heart healthy? I mean, I would just go back to the same diet, to be honest. Um, I think six to eight servings of vegetables a day, a couple ounces of protein with each meal, good quality protein, and, you know, a couple tablespoons of fat with each meal and a lot of, you know, a good amount of water so you feel satiated. Um, 
And I also think too, like for heart health, which is more of a Chinese medicine way of viewing it is that we're also accessing joy in our life. You know, joy really keeps the heart healthy from a Chinese medicine perspective. And you know, processing our emotions. So, you know, what you eat is just one piece of it, but also like what you take in from the world really impacts your health. And so how you're managing your stress, how much you're sleeping, um, you know, how much, you know, CNN and Fox news you're watching, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) it really impacts us. And so to, to start to look at not just what you're eating, but what you're taking in on every level and what burdens you're carrying, whose emotions you think you're responsible for, but you're really not, All of those things really impact us as well on a physiological perspective. So, yes, also, also on an emotional level, you deal with a lot of fertility in your practice. You use acupuncture along with diet and other practices to help women get pregnant. So Mm -hmm. you're listening to a lot of people's relationship issues and lack of relationship issues. What kinds of issues are people grappling with when it comes to relationships? Yeah, I think not connecting enough with their partners. Um, you know, life is too busy or too full and they're not they're not getting the downtime that they need like to connect with one another and it becomes very transactional. So I, I always say babies are made out of love, not honey, I'm ovulating sex, you know, and so to like reignite that passion with one another, which is sounds so easy, you know, and it's not always the simplest. And I also think people have a lot of unexpressed things, you know, so they might resent their partner for something they did two years ago and they still haven't really dealt with it or, you know, there's unexpressed trauma, you know, so it's really about, you know, I talk about this in body belief too, like first reconnecting to ourselves to start to understand like what it is the beliefs that we have and the story we're telling ourselves every day and then starting to be able to like unpack that, take the responsibility that is yours in that situation and then be able to communicate your needs effectively and maintain healthy boundaries, you know? So yeah, you see kind of like a swamp of all of that, you know, where there's like resentment and disconnect and you're just going through the motions of life and not feeling, not really accessing their joy, um, and, you know, codependency, you know, I mean, I think there's just layers and layers of it and blaming and, um, and when people, you know, take the time to really tune into themselves and work on themselves and work on self-forgiveness and self-compassion, you do see, you see their relationships change and for the better. What are you telling the clients that you see in your clinic that aren't in relationships and might like to be, are you getting, what kinds of conversations are you having with them? similar conversations you know I think it really comes down to us taking care of ourselves and us nurturing ourselves and working on those worthiness you know pieces because many of us have you know those worthiness issues where we're just you know holding ourselves back or not sure we really deserve everything we want and that when we work on ourselves and really begin to like reconnect to ourselves and and live from that space where we're you know, prioritizing us above everyone else, which can sound selfish to some people and prioritizing our joy above everyone else. Even if you're a mom, I'm a mom. And I, I, you know, to me, it's still, if I prioritize me, he benefits, you know, and it's not like I'm unprioritizing him, but you know, it's, it's, it's you knowing your needs and being comfortable asking for them. So whether you're in a relationship or not, I think that's really important. And I also think that when you do, get to that place where you're, you know, you're comfortable in your own skin and you like who you are, you know, what you see in the mirror, like physically and emotionally, um, 
it's easier to call in that partner that matches you and that will support mm -hmm. you. We're talking about the importance of self-love, right? Yeah. How can Which somebody... So, so yeah. cliche, you know, it's so cliche. Yeah. But, but I think that but was very, important. very yeah. well and very well explained. How can someone create self-love in their life, in your opinion? You know, I have an exercise in body belief that I talk about where it's like just sitting with yourself and asking yourself, how can I better support you? You know, so maybe the answer is like getting to bed earlier. Maybe the answer is like going out on, you know, more social events. Uh, maybe the answer is drinking less. Maybe the answer is eating more, exercising more, exercising less, you know, listening, quitting your job, you know, or not, um, you know, listening to yourself. Like what is, feels in alignment with where you want the direction of your life to go versus what keeps kind of popping up that creates drama or stress or, you know, holds you back and creates that resistance and that, you know, uh, disappointment in yourself because you're not taking the action, you know? So I really think it's about you tuning into you and finding better ways to support yourself. So a week of self-love, it might look like what saying no to a few things, uh, yeah. making, making time to have fun. Uh-huh. Saying yes to what lights you up, uh, making time to have fun, clearing your schedule. Uh, you know, maybe it is some spa treatments. I think, you know, cooking, nourishing food, moving in a way that feels good. Maybe it's watching a movie that makes you cry or makes you laugh, you know, whatever it is that you feel like you need more of. Some people want the alone time. Some people need more community. You know, we, we do know now from research that people just do much better in a community type of setting. So, you know, finding the right support for yourself and, um, you know, or seeing, seeing friends you haven't seen in a long time that just like know your heart inside and out. I think you that's know, a good feels one good for the soul. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I yeah, think, it's, go ahead. I think the thing that you, you've said it more than once is I think clearing your schedule mm -hmm. is a big one, especially now these days where we're always plugged we're always in. always on. Yeah. We're always yeah, on. And I, I, it's I like email off my phone, which oh, has, my proved gosh. To be has proved to be very challenging. Um, it's I'm proven now, to be sorry. challenging. Sorry, I didn't. Couldn't yeah, sorry. I know. I don't know what happened. I, I accidentally <laughs> um, swiped on the phone and it muted me for a second. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's proved to be challenging. And now I am sneakily going in through Safari and checking my <laughs> Gmail that way. So, like, I, I found my ways around the addiction. But um, very it, impressive. It, it has also helped me though, because now I have like when I get these, you know, because I get a lot of you know, I'm in, I'm in the healthcare world and I'm taking care of, you know, helping women, a lot of women guide themselves back to their optimal space. And I get some heavy emails. And so my commitment now, you know, this is what I'm trying to do for 2020 is I really want to be at my desk in front of my computer and like really heartfelt get into the email and, and respond to it. You know what I mean? Not, right. It's not like best to like read those emails of, on the go. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of volleying back and forth and like, we're just kind of short and we're not fully, you know, engaged. Yeah. And so trying to make the time you know, to just, and also just try to check emails like twice a day. You know what I mean? Boy, is like that training people. I uh, never even, so I never even yeah. thought about that, but what you just said was so, um, rings so true is that we, I think collectively we, we get into these email chains that, oh that are, yeah. that are like a quick volley back and forth. And I think mm -hmm. you're right. Like it's a lot different than sending a couple of succinct messages here and there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so 
We are both on your reboot cleanse. We've mentioned you've mentioned this several times during the course of the podcast. I want you to tell everyone about it and about your book, Body Belief, which outlines the cleanse and where people can find Body Belief. But first, let's talk about what the what the reboot cleanse is all about, and then we'll get into Body Belief. What yeah, happens the, on the reboot cleanse? Well, we hope to reboot your your gut health basically and reduce inflammation in your body. By the, by the Amy, I would really love some coffee right now. I just want to let you know <laughs> that that's what's happening with me. It's but hard. It's hard to be off coffee. I agree. I mean, that's what I, I miss the most is coffee too. Um, but go but on. I so feel I do feel better. So so it is. It's an, elim- it's an elimination diet. Um, whereby we take out kind of all the most common foods that could be triggering inflammation in your body. And we go for about 10 days to two weeks in a very clean stage of eating called the purify phase, where we're basically just eating protein, vegetables, and fat, no grains, no fruit, no nuts, no seeds, no nightshades, um, no gluten, no dairy, no soy, no caffeine, no alcohol. Um, we're just going back to the basics. And that, you know, that 10 day to two week period really gives your body a decent amount of time to reset or reboot and but, it starts to heal the gut lining. Gut. Yeah. And I mean, no, what I was going to say is that it's it, at the core of the purify phase, you're really only eating pro, you know, most of the proteins and vegetables. You can't, there, there are quite a few condiments that people can't even have on this cleanse, right? This like is you, true. Things like hot sauce and yeah. And well, black, of the nightshades. Yeah. Right. And the black, black so, pepper. Yeah, it's like when you start to look at say nightshade vegetables, I mean, you know, they're in every curry sauce or in every hot sauce. Describe you know. what the group of nightshades is for people that don't know what a nightshade is. Uh, so it's tomato, eggplant, um, potato, potatoes, peppers. So the peppers really get you because they're in a lot of the fun condiments, Um, (laughs) but they can also really trigger inflammation in a lot of people. And so when you remove them, you'll see symptoms go down. So typically, you know, what someone is doing is like, and they picked up my book body belief because maybe they're not feeling their best or they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on, or they were diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and they're trying to figure out how to manage it. And I have them fill out what we call in the book, the red flag symptom list. And, you know, there's a lot of questions on there of like dry scalp to diarrhea, to like brain fog, to always feeling tired, to can't lose weight, can't gain weight, you know? Um, and you check out, you, you go through your red flag symptom list and then we do the diet and then we revisit that. And a lot of times those symptoms will go down by 80 to 90%. It's, it's fascinating. And then what we do in the book is we do a slow reintroduction. So it's basically over 12 weeks, we reintroduce each different food group and so, you get to see your reactions. Yes. Amy, so, so take us back. So what's the beginning, what's the beginning of the cleanse, the middle and the end of the cleanse? The stage, so the, stage one yeah. is what? Stage one, um, I call the prep phase and we're just slowly removing everything. And that's about nine days long. I think and that's then, so key um, in, in terms of your cleanse. And I think there are very few cleanses out there or, you know, these kinds of eliminations that really focus on taking some time to slow, to slowly, uh, rid, you know, rid slowly break up with your favorite thing, slowly break Um, up with your faves. Yes. (laughs) And then, and then we do, um, according to the book, we're doing it a little differently at the well, but according to the book, we do nine days in the purify phase and it's, um, in the middle of those nine days is four days where we're basically just eating bone broth and we're really resetting the gut lining. 
Um, we didn't quite do that in the reboot at the well because they thought it was a little too intense. Um, and so we're just doing two weeks in like super clean eating and, and the reboot at the well. So it's slightly different. And then we do the reawaken phase where we can add back in some basics. Like we can add back in some fruit and um, I think that's the biggest thing we can add back in. And then we, then we stay there for like a week or two and then we slowly start reintroducing in the book. I have it outlined like one week at a time, you know, you reintroduce gluten, you reintroduce night stays, but I let in the cl- in the clinic. And when I'm working with people online, I let them pick what do they miss the most? And then we, we reintroduce in, in their priority order. So would and you, just, would you, would you, um, recommend adding something in back in like egg whites, which is, you know, yeah, egg white diff- tends to be it's it's can be really benign for a lot of people. It can also be really telling. You know, some people are crap. I I can't do egg whites. I had no idea they give me so much gas. You know, or whatever. And some of us we're gonna have some reactions to foods that are harder to digest if we haven't eaten them in a couple of weeks. So I say to try it like three times in a row. You know, see the reaction, and then if there if everything's kosher, you know, everything's good, then you can you can stay. Um, with that food back in. But if you got diarrhea or you got a rash or, you you know, you got a headache, okay, that that might be one of your foods that you actually need to have in in moderation or not at all. And so we learn a lot. And that's the best part of this exercise is, you know, I think to really heal the gut, we got to do something like this for like six months to a year, depending on the severity of the case. But this type of elimination diet really gives people the tools to start to understand like how much food impacts them and, um, you know, what they can do about it. And then like learning which foods are their triggers. Right. Right. Um, well, thank you so much, Amy. This was great. Oh, thank Uh, you so much. My love. Tell, tell everybody about your book and where they can find it. Um, and yeah, it completely it outlines the cleanse and much more, right? It, it yeah, it's 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 a, a three pillared um, protocol to helping heal your body and learning to love your body more. So it's about reconnecting with yourself. So there's a lot of mental emotional in the book as well, and then there is also this diet and you know lifestyle recommendations and supplements. Um, you can find the book anywhere books are sold. It's called Body Belief. You can find out more about me and all my books at amyralph.com. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. Bye.